You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another very disappointed episode of the Assembly Call, as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers fall 85-70 to to the Nebraska Cornhuskers at home in a game that ended up being Nebraska's first Big Ten road game of the season. Hadn't won a game on the road all season long, and they came into Assembly Hall and just looked absolutely comfortable from the tip, ended up jumping out to a 20-point halftime lead. Uh, you know, give Indiana credit for the way that they played in the second half, especially there in the start when they actually got it down to three points at one point. It was a terrific run that kind of shows what this team is capable of when they're at their best. But unfortunately, the first half and then the back part of the second half showed us what this team is for most of the game and has been for most of the season. And, you know, to me coming out of this one, I mean, there's so many things to be disappointed about, obviously, and we'll go through a lot of them. But, you know, as someone who grew up and whose formative years as an IU fan, you know, included a 50 game home win streak and just, you know, the belief that, man, if another team was going to come in and beat you at home, at least it was going to be tough. And at least they were going to have to play hard. And, you know, they were going to have to really do something crazy because, man, we were going to protect home court. Indiana has now lost four of its last five home games. And those four losses have been, well, coming into tonight, the three losses were by an average of 13 points. So do the math. We lost by 15, so 13 point something, whatever. It's too much. Not only should you not be losing four out of five home games, you, sure, you certainly shouldn't be getting killed like that on your home court. Um, and, you know, I mean, of all the things that Indiana basketball is supposed to be able to hold on to, winning at Assembly Hall is supposed to be one of them. And right now we're barely competing. At Assembly Hall. So anyway, the loss drops Indiana to 14 and 12, six and nine in conference play and firmly uh, in the Wednesday games in the Big Ten tournament right now with five games still to go to change that. And hopefully they can bottle what they had the first 10 minutes of that second half uh, as we move forward here. But I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms here with the coach Bob Motes. Uh, We're going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. And let's start this show the way that we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner moment. And this is not a game that was without some positive moments, some bright spots uh, for Indiana. And the big bright spot that I want to point out is McKenzie Mbako, who you probably know scored a game-high 20 or a season-high 22 points. That's now a career-high for him. Uh, and I don't have a specific moment that I want to point out for McKenzie but I want, to, I want to point out a series of moments which were his drives to the basket. You know, McKenzie came into Indiana known as a three-point shooter. That is something that has been, you know, fairly reliable for most of the season. I know he opened up very poorly from three-point range, but it's gotten better. Uh, he's been shooting 37 38% in Big Ten play. But where we've really seen him uh, take a jump in terms of his offensive production is his ability to get to the basket. And whereas early in the season, uh, he really looked, you know, kind of awkward and unsure of himself when he drove. Now there's a real conviction when he drives. And I think you're seeing him more comfortable with his handle. You're seeing him more comfortable and confident getting to his spots. And even more than that, able to get a good shot up on the rim and get fouled. And so, you know, McKenzie was uh, two for eight from downtown tonight, which obviously isn't great, but uh, five for nine on twos, if my math is correct. And that includes a couple of missed long twos. You know, so five for six, five or seven, whatever it was on drives, along with six of seven from the free throw line uh, in a season where a lot has gone bad. And it feels like a lot of individual players in the team hasn't really developed. 
Mackenzie Mbako was a guy that still has his warts, and there was actually a play he made that I thought was the turning point of the second half in a bad way, and we'll get to that in meaningful moments. But overall, for a freshman, 22 points, seven rebounds, showed a variety of ways to score, I thought was really engaged defensively for most of the night, even if he still has mistakes in that area. McKenzie continues to be a bright spot uh, for Indiana in a season when, man, there just are very, very few bright spots uh, shining through the dark clouds right now. But kudos to him tonight uh, for producing uh, and doing it in a way that feels sustainable and really feels like growth uh, for him here uh, in his freshman season. Okay, let's talk about our presenting sponsor. Banner Moment tonight, as always, brought to you by our friends at Homefield Apparel, now in their seventh season sponsoring the Assembly Call and their third as the presenting sponsor for the Back Home Network, sponsoring shows like Crimson Cast, sponsoring shows like Doing the Work, and of course, X's and Joe's, which Bob co-hosts and is here with us tonight. Uh, but Homefield, if you haven't been paying attention over the last couple of weeks, Homefield has a new IU refresh, and man, it has some awesome stuff. I got three of the items. Uh, the long sleeve tee commemorating the 1993 uh, Big Ten Championship team, which I was actually wearing earlier today and had to take off during the first half because I thought I cannot wear this shirt while watching this basketball. Uh, you've also got the snapback hat that has the bison on it. I love it. Uh, it fits my head probably as well as any hat has. And then today I got my Indiana Hyper uh, crew neck. And there's a bunch of other stuff I'm not even mentioning that you may want to order. And so you got to stay up to date with Homefield Apparel. Follow them on Twitter or get on their text messages or email or get their app. However you want to connect, you want to be there when they have these new drops. And it's not just for Indiana. You know, they did a new drop for Purdue. They do new drops for schools all the time. So whether it's for yourself or a friend or a family member or a colleague or whoever you need to shop for, Homefield Apparel is a place where you can go and just get really something for everybody. And what's nice is they always have ways you can save money. So if you've never ordered before, you can use our promo code HOME23. That'll get you 15% off your entire order, uh, your entire first order. But they're always doing flash sales and having other ways that you can save. So go to homefieldapparel.com. Keep our promo code in mind, HOME23. That'll get you 15% off your first order. Again, the website, homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Andy, we will start with you, your bottoms line on another Indiana home loss. Yeah, I, I'll probably be all over the place with this a little bit. I, like you said, the first the first game was all over the place. Was uh, That's probably fair. I mean, the first half performance was uh, incredibly disappointing given the circumstances and very much similar to what we saw against Northwestern. Then this team gets a fire lit under him at halftime or come out you know, maybe feeling a little freer because they're losing by so much and played well uh, for that stretch. I mean, I scored on 13 of the first 15 possessions of the second half. And yeah. after really struggling and, and that led to some better defense, Nebraska did take some bad shots, but uh, you know, and then as quickly as it started, it just flipped right back off. Then they score one point over the next eight possessions. And that was really when Nebraska seized control of the game again. And part of that is, you know, I know we've talked about substitution stuff a lot. I mean, three guys played all 20 minutes of the second half and the same three guys played most of the first half. It, it just, they clearly ran out of steam. Uh, I would not advocate for putting them all on the bench at the same time, but for as bad as the first half was to really hardly sub at all and kind of accept the performance that was going on. I just didn't I just didn't understand it. And that came home to roost late in the game when guys had no legs on jump shots. Could argue should they have taken those jump shots? All those things, whatever. 
Um, it just, to me, that was, you know, a huge, huge turning point. They had all the energy. Can you put a couple guys in to steal you a couple minutes while the crowd is going crazy and everything is amped up? Is that the time that you can give, you know, one of these guys a minute or two breather to do that? But Galloway from chasing around Tomanaga was completely out of gas uh, at the end. No legs on the jump shot. You know, Ware was struggling some from the free throw line, just wasn't bending his knees well, wasn't getting a lot of arc on his shot. He was laboring. Uh, out there and Mako actually seemed to play through relatively well quite honestly mm -hmm. um down the stretch but it was just they just needed another spark from somebody and CJ Gunn gave him that when he came in uh you know early in that half and um uh, but ultimately they just ran out of steam dug themselves too big a hole it's a story we've told so many times over the course of the season and they play well enough in these stretches to see what this team could be but the inconsistency is what the team really is uh, and that's what's been the calling card for the team over the course of the season. Um, you know, two other quick things. IU outscored 42 to 12 from three-point range. Certainly a difference in styles. Nebraska always is going to come into games wanting to do that. Even when they were getting pounded by everybody, they came in wanting to do that. They shot 33 threes compared to 32s, and IU shot 42s and 21 threes. And IU didn't shoot threes well, so everybody can come back and say, well, why would you want them to shoot more? They're not – shooting well enough there anyway, but it's just, again, it's the math problem that this team faces game in and game out. And I'll end with this. I have no idea what the point is of booing Malik Renew or anybody else while they're shooting free throws. The guy missed one freaking free throw and everybody is booing this guy. Like, what are we accomplishing? The only free throw he missed the entire game. And he had issues. Guys made mistakes. Guys are going to miss shots. I felt for Khalil Ware, who the weight of the world felt like it was on his shoulders as he's missing those free throws. But why in the hell are we booing people for that? You want to boo the coach because you think the program's not heading in the right direction? Then find a way to make sure that that guy knows what you think about it. But my God, like, what are we doing uh, in these games to, to do that? To, to that kid who has given it his all, struggled these last couple games, tried to respond tonight to Woodson really calling him out. Like, I just, I, what are we doing? Um everybody is frustrated with what's going on right now. Everybody is frustrated with the results, the style of play, whatever you have every right to do that as a fan. Uh, and maybe the belief is these guys are making NIL money. So it's okay. It's like a pro athlete where the argument is this guy's making money. I, I it gives me the right to boo him, but I just have no idea what is accomplished with that. And would like to think that as a program and as fans we're better than that, I, maybe not the, the wheels are, falling off in a lot of regards so maybe we're not i i don't know but that really that really pissed me off i'm with you on that no reason to do that in the arena at all uh all right bob let's get your opening thoughts as i mentioned bob the host of x's and joe's uh if you haven't subscribed to that podcast make sure you do it should be available everywhere you listen to podcasts i think the best way to describe the reason to listen you know we try on the assembly call to kind of help describe what happened in a game, you know, help each other and, and help you guys understand it more with coaches like Bob and Coach Tonsoni and Andy and Ryan who really know the game well. And so I think if you want to know why we lost to Nebraska, we'll break down all of that stuff. If you want to know from a macro sense why the roster is in a spot that it's in to create a season like this, go listen to X's and Joe's because they break that stuff down as well as anybody uh, and I know it's a show on our own network. I'm biased, but I think it's awesome and everybody should listen to it. So anyway, uh, Bob, your opening thoughts, uh, on this performance from Indiana. Well, first thank Thank you, Jerry. That means, that means, that means a lot. And, you know, Mike, Mike does a really good job of, you know, just really, you know, just does an amazing job on that you know, with, with, with this. And, um, 
I'll start with where Andy ended up with the free throw shooting because this team is designed to make up what they don't get from the three-point line at the free throw line. And the last thing you want to do, it's kind of like, okay, your favorite golfers out there, uh, you know, and, and misses a five-foot putt on hole three. And then you boo him for it. And then he misses a six-foot putt on hole four and you keep it up. It's just that sort of mindset of confidence matters, playing on your home court matters. It, it's, a, it's a thing where you, 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 I get we don't like the result, but being negative in that situation doesn't help the result at all. And I would, I would just kind of go into that, that it's a rough, it's a rough time to um, really kind of just, you know, turn on the players. Um, These guys are, I mean, you saw it tonight. They are doing, I think many respects, they're, they're, they're at least trying to compete. There are situations where I think schematically they're kind of put in positions where, they're very isolated from each other in, in, in an unconnected way. And we've talked about this since November and it's just never seemed to come together. Now, sometimes you get a group of kids. I don't care if they're 10. I don't care if they're 20. I don't care if they're 34 and playing in the NBA, a group of players that never really kind of comes together and plays connected basketball. But, you know, giving up 51 points in the first half, they weren't helping in the right places on on defense. You could just tell that. Tominaga's running around the court. Gabe Cups is and he he had the initial defensive assignment and was just and, and was and was basically doing the best he could, but there's nobody jumping out to help him on screens. There's nobody kind of showing and recovering. You you're watching the backside of the defense. They're kind of just, you know, I'm I'm out, I'm on my spot coach. I'm where I'm supposed to be. Where well, they're not really adjusting to what's actually happening with the play on the court. And, you know, that, that's, that's rough. And then, and then he just drains it from 22 feet, which is what he does. Or then he gets going and he's hitting shots. With, I mean, Cups has got his hand in his face. He's got, he's in his socks. He's doing everything properly. And the kid just hits. And, and then that also, again, we, we go through this a great deal with this group. It's it, then it just translates to the offensive end. They walk the ball up the floor. Yeah, they, they don't cut as hard um, going into their sets. They don't really work the ball where they're supposed to. They settle for a tough pass that leads to a tough shot, that leads to transition. And then there comes uh, Tominaga or, oh, who was the other kid you know, tonight that just obliterated them from three? You know, oh, Lawrence Gary. went five Lawrence, for five. Yeah, Lawrence goes five for five. There, boom, there it is. And you're digging yourself into a hole. And I'll just leave it with this. I mean... There was a mayoral candidate in Indianapolis back in the mid '90s, Z.M.A. Jimison, and you know I'm just going to throw this out here. This is what we do on X's and Joes. We think these little sex, <laughs> and I'm doing it now because it. I, I'm sitting here thinking, the woman didn't really do a whole lot in her campaign, but there was a day where she called in the media. She gave out little cookies. Z.M.A. Jimison's a tough cookie. Handed them out. Gave a killer press conference it was 2 p.m on election day 2 p.m on election day she's now trying to campaign for the job of mayor of indianapolis she did okay you know compared to steve goldsmith but the point is you can't wait till 2 p.m on election day you can't wait till halftime you can't wait till february to do this stuff you've got to get to a point where your group where, where you're you know where, where you're putting all this together and it's all coming together all pistons are firing at the end and you look connected just like Northwestern looked tonight, and you're still not tr- confused as to what our help assignments are 
or am I supposed to move here or not? I mean, there's a lot to be said here that we're just, this just, of, of the possible floor we could have found, take the record out of play. I think this was about as low as I could have thought this team would have been when we were talking about this 10 months ago. And a lot of it just comes down to, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's younger players. It's, you know, learning a new system, a whole bunch of new pieces thrown in injuries. They're not excuses. They're actually legit reasons, but I think it's, it's almost like, you know, Groundhog Day and Sonny and Cher are playing as the alarm clock goes off every time, you know, every time the, the, the ball tips. And I think we all feel that way. And we just got to kind of keep working. I mean, we, you know, just get there and see what, you know, let's just see if we see something in the next game or two, the 10 minutes, the 10 minutes are something. I mean, that's something big, but yeah, no, I mean, and you've seen some of those spurts where it's like, oh my gosh, you know, this can look good, but this team just can't sustain it. So look, you know, I emailed you guys earlier today, right. With the show link. And I said, you know, let's try and stay focused just on the 40 minutes of basketball. There's been all this macro angst and all that. And I would still like to do that. But, you know, I found myself as I'm watching the first half, especially, Andy, and, and, and I want to describe this to you. And you guys tell me if I'm what I'm seeing is what you guys are saying. You know, I'm watching what Nebraska does. And from the opening tip, there is zero fear. There is zero intimidation. There is just 100% comfortability for Nebraska for two reasons. One, because the mystique of Assembly Hall is gone, because the team inside of Assembly Hall isn't good, and the team inside of Assembly Hall doesn't play with an extra level of toughness at home right now. So all these things that Mike Woodson has talked about bringing back to Indiana basketball, literally the most fundamental part of Indiana basketball, the rug, has been pulled out from under us. We don't, I mean, you can't, again, if you can't trust Indiana at home, what do we have, right? And so you can see that with opposing teams that come in just completely comfortable with what they're doing. But the other thing is, I think Nebraska probably comes in extra confident because they know what they do offensively is like the antithesis of what our defense is set up to stop. And when you watch Nebraska play offense, it is ball movement and people movement constantly. There's screens, there's cuts, the ball's moving, it's unselfish, it's snapping around, and they know they can get the shot that they want if they're just patient, right? And you look at the other end, well, stay on that end. From a defensive standpoint, you know, it, it's, you know, I'm watching it. It's like these guys are trying. <laughs> like, like there's effort. They're moving fast. Like they're trying to get through some screens. Now, not always, but what you see is after five or six possessions where a guy drains a shot in your eye, is totally confident in your gym, getting any shot they want, mm-hmm. it's hard to maintain that same level of defensive focus. Should a player be able to do it? Yeah, but I think it goes back to more of the macro thing of if you don't believe in what you're doing, and you know it's not going to work, it's very hard to put forth that 110% effort that we all expect, right? And so that is not just a problem of, damn, Gabe, you know, do a better job of, of going through that screen. That is a macro problem with the program and the defense. And then you go to the other end, and it is either dump it down inside or the tray go do something offense. And it's a lot of guys pounding the ball. There's not a lot of movement. What you know, and just watching Nebraska and what we're doing, the contrast was so stark. And so I, I just you know, you want to to get frustrated with the players and, and pick out things that they're doing. I thought what I watched on the court today was just a macro failure in terms of what this program is and does and stands for right now. And you know, to me, yes, you, you obviously players take some responsibility for that, but I just think it looks, Andy, like a program right now where there doesn't really feel like a cohesive plan 
to win basketball games against Big Ten teams, especially Nebraska. Like, do something different against them. And, I, you know, they tried chasing Tominaga and doing some different things, but the fundamental way these guys have been taught to play defense is going to get killed by a team like Nebraska, and we've seen it all season long. So I just, again, I know we didn't want to say macro, but what I saw in the court today, tonight, was just a further reflection of how far behind it seems like we are. And so, hey, get guys from the portal, do all this stuff. Like, that's great. Like, we have some decent basketball players right now that shouldn't be getting blown out by 15 at home. Yeah, I think the difference is stark. I mean, everything offensively for Nebraska looked easy or at least was done with a level of urgency and even when IU was scoring in the first half it was a challenge there were some tough shots that guys made or uh, you know got you know got a putback or, or something else where they just I, I don't know everything seemed difficult to me and I think e- even when Nebraska wasn't winning they kind of played the same way and and even gave Archie IU teams trouble because of the way they spread you out or committed to that and they would back cut uh, and move really hard. And I know they brought this up ad nauseum on the broadcast, but Tominaga is great off the ball, moves, cuts really hard, puts guys through the ringer. And and IU struggled at times where they had a moment where they let up. And and it, it seemed like they tried different uh, different things. I think there were cases where they were trying to switch some, some different things that Nebraska was doing. There were other cases where the, the big man was almost playing like a drop coverage. But at that point, if you can't fight through the screen yep. – and the guy doesn't get there, you're giving up open threes to Tominaga. There was multiple ones, I think even that he missed, where they just kind of sagged back and didn't jump out there. I, I don't feel like that would have been the plan in the scouting report against him, but maybe it was. But I, I do think, and, and I think we've seen that with this team. And again, I, I don't think this is a, a thing unique to Woodson. Um, but when the team really is struggling offensively, the defense suffers too. And it goes back to what you said a little bit, Jared, of, you see guys make shots, you hang your head a little bit, you can't score on the other end for a few possessions, and it just kind of snowballs quickly. And I think there's a mentality uh, aspect to that as well that has been just built up over time, uh, unfortunately. But, yeah, I, I just the the spacing is ultimately the biggest thing t- to me. I mean, there was a turnover that Galloway made in the first half. Renew, Galloway's got the ball. Renew just basically went and ran into him. Um, there are other times where Renew and Ware are both in the lane along with four Nebraska players. And there wasn't one time really Nebraska, everything was five out for the most part. And they're cutting through and doing different things. It just is about as stark a contrast as you can get within the league. Um, and Nebraska has played this way and not won. So it's not like just this style of play is the key to winning. But I think what you see and what you even saw with Northwestern is a true belief in the system that these teams are trying to run and they're going to continue to run it, whether it works or not and try to figure some things out along the way and make some minor adjustments. But there's a core belief that what they're going to do is the way they're going to play. And they're not going to be phased by, uh, by that Nebraska played kind of the same way. Even when they started to get control back of the game, they weren't doing different things. They were missing shots when I, went on the run, I think things snowballed in them a little bit, but I think you see that. And I just don't, the urgency with which IU moves when they do move offensively is just not the same. Uh, whether that means, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that's because they don't believe in the system or they don't whatever, but it's just everything is difficult right now um, for IU on the offensive end. And and you're just not going to overcome allowing almost a point and a half per possession to the other team in the first half either. No, 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 your opponent. What does Nebraska want to do? They want to shoot threes. They want to shoot it at a high level. 
and Andy put a great point. Drop coverage on Tamanaga. Kalil Ware is like seven foot with the wingspan of an endangered condor. The guy is huge. Why why is he playing four steps back to try to take a drive away from this guy when we definitely could, you know, help Psyche come over there and, and, and take it. And as long as we respond to the pass whenever he makes a level three decision, which we didn't do, there were several times where we didn't do that tonight. And I'll I'll grant that. But you don't want him to be the guy that beats you off a simple ball screen. At the very least, where it's about disruption. And and there was very there's this we've never quite gotten to the point where we disrupt a team for 40 minutes. Good offense will beat good defense. All you know, frequently, if you let the offense do what it what you, what it's designed to do. Eventually something's going to break down on the defensive end. You it's inevitable because the offense knows where they want to go with the ball. The defense, somebody's going to miss a switch. Someone's going to get be a step slow. Someone's going to get caught up on a screen, and they're going to get what they want at some point in time, even in a 30-second shot clock. So what you're doing constantly is, okay, you know it's zoom action. You're, you're, you're going to try to blow it up. You're going to bump a little bit. You're going to throw the timing off. I, you did that in, those, in that 10-minute stretch in the second half, I might add. That's what they were doing. They were doing a wonderful job. They were coming off, making sure Tamanaga couldn't get where he wanted to go couldn't actually, you know, just pull back and hit a three-point shot like he was doing, just running, just basically running the show for a for a full, well, the time he was on the court, the 13 to 20 minutes he was on the floor, just killing them. You're not, you, you have to disrupt an offense. You have to throw their timing off. You have to take away what they want to do. When you're playing it the same way you played it all year long and you could hop on and you could, you could take 10 possessions of IU in synergy, regardless of the game and see defensively what they're doing, yeah, I mean, Fred Hoiberg and his staff, whoever's got the scout, they're going to say, okay, this is going to be open. And it was open in the first half frequently and at times throughout the second. So it's, yeah, it is a macro problem, but it does have a very specific micro um, application because you have guys in the, and again, like N- Nebraska, knowing where to be relative to the ball versus being on a spot on the floor. You know, when we talk about, you know, certain help positions like nail slot rim, we know we have guys, well, we're supposed to be here, but they're slow to react off of that spot. And whether it's just because they think the scheme is supposed to do this versus that, whether it's been emphasized a certain way, I'm not sure. But that's a that's an issue, I think, that we've just seen all year. And it also, again, translates to rebounding. Shot goes up, they're staying on the spot. <laughs> and that spot, I'm going to stay in the slot. Well, no, your guy's crashing down. You got to crack that. You got to crack down, crack down that block out if you're if you're in the slot. You got to you you've got to you've got to come off that position a little bit and be able to to deal with what's happening. Are we still thinking of the game too much? Um, two days after President's Day, yeah, I think in many respects we're still overthinking the game. Uh, real quick on offense, this team has to play at pace. This team has to play at a high pace. Yeah. This team is not designed to 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 run a mover blocker like Virginia. If this team isn't going, this team is is stuck in the mud because then they then they start trying to force. I mean, when if you see them getting in the offense at 20, 21, 22 seconds versus 25, 20, 24, 25, 26, then you just kind of you, you almost kind of know the result before it happens. It's either you know you, the the ball may go in, but it's going to be a it's going to be a really 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 tough shot. And we'll probably I will I'll, I'll delve in that a little later because I have a couple thoughts a couple of things I saw tonight that were kind of hit yeah. that more specifically. Yeah, you know, and you mentioned something earlier, too, when you talked about the defense is going to eventually break down because the offense knows where they want to go with the ball. 
And my first thought was, well, boy, there are a lot of possessions where it feels like we don't know where we want to go with the ball. And what you see a lot, and Coach Tonsoni has talked about this, early in halves, a lot of times, it feels like we have a really good plan. You know, we, you know, we figure out some stuff that works. We go at it multiple times if it keeps working. And that's part of the reason why you'll see us play pretty well at the beginning of the first half. Didn't really happen tonight, but it has in, in many other games. And the second half, the first 10 minutes was excellent. But then as the half goes on, it devolves and we get away from that. And it just becomes kind of more chaos offense without much of a plan. And that's why the game seemed to unravel so many times in the back, in the back parts of halves offensively when you're trying to put the ball into a person's hands versus to where the into where the defense is giving it then that's 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 what we're seeing in that yeah. regard where where you see we have to get the ball to Kalel. we have to get the ball to this spot in the floor not really you know it's not really the whole idea of read and react is to read the defense and react to it that's the whole point of the offense that you 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 find your open guy not because you see you see the color of your jersey you know where that guy's going to be you re, you you make that read and you make that play based on where the defense is deployed and that's when you're coaching this when you're breaking down film whatever you're doing you know in practice and in conversations with kids you know it's it's Calvert putting his arm around a kid saying okay remember that this play here where was the defender. And the question isn't where's your offensive player. The question always is where are the defenders? Where and and seeing past one guy, and seeing what the other four are doing, yeah. and good players, even marginal players at every level, learn to do that because they know and 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 they and they and then they, and that makes them be decisive, as long as they know their role on the court. I mean that's, yeah. but when you're not doing that, when you're not actually when when it seems like we're just forcing the thing to a guy repeatedly. Or a couple guys, and it's just not working, and we can tell. Yeah, I think you saw some of what you described, Jared, at the beginning of the second half. IU was really running that middle ball screen a ton with Ware on the short roll, trying to get him, you know, some opportunities, and then that really went away, and then it became unclear what the next step was. Uh, they did have, they did run a nice set out of that timeout that where they were down three, had the ball to get gun and open look after he just oh, hit man. a couple. Um, would have loved to see that go down because he was shooting it really confidently. It was, um, you know, good design. And, and that's where, you know, that's what we've said. There's so many like out of timeout plays and baseline plays and whatever, like Woodson has the ability, a demonstrated ability in this to be able to run plays, to get guys shots in, in opportunistic situations. And it just doesn't happen enough. Um, and there's just, but they're not a team that is able to play with the same flow where you don't have to call a bunch of stuff. And it's just what you're doing. Like, that's what this team needs um, right now. Like you can argue, maybe you Especially wouldn't have with to do that point with... guard injured. Right. Right. That's Come what I'm saying. You could say Jeez. that maybe you wouldn't have to do that if you didn't have Xavier Johnson. And he talks about that a lot. Like nobody is arguing despite the way Xavier Johnson played when he was, when he was healthy this year, like no one is arguing that he wouldn't have helped this team. Um, but, some people are, but they're idiots. Well, mm, yeah, agreed. but they, but at some point, like he's not there. You've got to try to figure out something to help, help guys with the situation that you're in, instead of trying to make Trey Galloway be Xavier Johnson. Um, yeah. it, it just, yeah, that's the part that's frustrating, but you see the ability to do that. You just need more of it, uh, unfortunately. And so, you know, IU is, they did that against Ohio state when they came back and won Ohio state just never adjusted. Um, 
and they you know they ran what they ran mm. over and over and over again they didn't do it and, and they started the coach out got with, fired yeah yeah um but yeah you know with this game they kind of started that way nebraska adjusted i has got to figure out what the counter is to that as they're reading the game and situations like bath talked about yeah but but a lot of that's right. player iq and that's and that's and that's honestly you you gotta have and and yeah you you, you got you you got to do that on the fly because rarely is the play there twice rarely is the play there twice sorry about that all right uh coming up here as we continue our breakdown of indiana's 15 point home loss to nebraska we'll point out tonight's meaningful moment you might have missed which andy just introduced there just a minute ago uh then we'll go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game you're listening to the assembly call stick with us BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. It's wild to think that Jordan Halls and Calbert Chaney are part of a team that struggles this much uh, from an offensive standpoint. But alas, you're listening to The Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, the coach Bob Motes. We were breaking down Indiana's loss to Nebraska, bad loss to Nebraska. Uh, and it's time now for tonight's meaningful moment you might have missed. This segment brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Ticket Project, where they help individuals and families experience IU athletic events in person for the first time through the generosity of alumni and fans. To learn more about how you can donate money or extra tickets to help create meaningful moments for other IU fans, visit HoosierTicketProject.org. That's HoosierTicketProject.org. For example, if you can't make the game tomorrow, the IU-Iowa game, and you have tickets, let Hoosier Ticket Project have them and let a young Indiana fan go be part of that atmosphere, which is going to be electric. Hopefully the team is able to bounce back from their loss to Illinois uh, and give the Hawkeyes a good game and hopefully beat them. Uh, but anyway, that should be a really fun night uh, tomorrow night inside of Assembly Hall. So meaningful moment, Andy, you know, you kind of introduced this. And I think, you know, the, the first part of this, everybody remembers, you know, Indiana cuts it to three. It's a 17-point run to open the second half. I mean, it was it was awesome. It, I mean, honestly, it was one of the most fun 10-minute stretches of basketball we've had this season. Team was playing hard. They were playing together. There really felt like there was kind of a collective will and a togetherness and a, and a commitment to what they were doing, which is so stark because you didn't see it in the first half. And there's been so many times when we haven't seen it, and you kind of see what these guys can do when they have that level of juice. And a big part of it, was two big three-pointers by C.J. Gunn. He hit one when it was 57-46, hit another one when it was 59-53. to As you said, Andy, really shooting with confidence. 
And so he gets that open three, he misses it. All right, fine. You know, you're two out of three in, in your early second half threes. No, no harm there and missing a good shot. But what happened next, to me, kind of really set the tone for what was about to come. And I mentioned this in the banner moment. I thought McKenzie and Baco had a really good game overall for a freshman. You're, but you still see mistakes from him. And I thought he made a real mistake on this play. I don't remember who. I think, I think it was for um, Lawrence, if I remember correctly. But they just set a real simple screen for him out at the top of the key. And McKenzie, instead of fighting through it, just kind of let himself get picked. And even after he got picked, it's like he took a second or two to recognize what was happening to get through to challenge the shot and never got there in time to challenge the shot. Lawrence drains the three. It's 62 to 56. Um, The very next possession, CJ probably got a little over his skis a little bit, had kind of a wild drive. No, there was no call. And I'm not sure if there should have been one because you couldn't really see from the camera angle. But then Nebraska goes down and get a layup. And all of a sudden, it's 64 to 56. You know, and it just felt like so much of the work that had been done to to cut into the lead, now you're back to eight, you know, and there's there's definitely something deflating about that. But Andy, it was, you know, the missed shot. And again, CJ had made two previously, so it's not a criticism of him that he missed a shot. But it is one of those big momentum changing, blow the roof off the place three pointers that you kind of need to hit if you get the chance, you know? So, I mean, it's up, there are just some shots in a game that are really, really big and really good teams knock them down. This team's just not there yet. Hopefully, as CJ develops, he can be a guy that hits that shot because he made the two previous. But then you just can't make that defensive mistake. And again, it's a freshman. Sometimes those mistakes are going to happen. The bigger idea is you shouldn't be on such a high wire in the second half that one mistake kind of blows everything open in the other direction but it did. And so hopefully that's something McKenzie learns from because you got to fight through that and be aggressive. And after you get screened, get out there and, and somehow challenge the shot or someone's got to help you. That's the kind of stuff that kills this team. Give them an in-rhythm three-pointer, boom, momentum changed, and the game really changed from that moment on. Yeah, in a, in a lot of cases, that sequence felt like where Nebraska changed a bit of what they were doing defensively. And if you look at who took shots leading up to that, and what happened after it? So you you talked about part of that, but so you know CJ misses that three. You talked about the made three and the other. And there's actually a possession for each team in between the gun drive that you talked about. But Ware had one inside that. Oh, that's right. I think one of the many shots he had that just kind of rolled around the rim and fell off. Uh, Nebraska misses a three. CJ has that kind of wild drive. Maybe he was fouled. Maybe he wasn't. They get a layup. Then CJ makes a turnover coming down the other way, uh, and and Nebraska gets another layup. Uh, and then you get. Mbako taking a, a jump shot, a, a long, you know, a, a longer or two, I think right, right around the elbow. And so you just like, it was in those stretches. We can argue that getting the ball inside every possession is not what you need to do, but that was what had been working. And all of a sudden you've got different guys, you know, using possessions in that stretch that maybe weren't before when you were successful. And, and CJ, I think got into, you know, had, was playing with confidence and gotten some run uh, again, he needs to have the freedom to be able to play and make mistakes at some point because he's got, if he's going to grow into a player that this team can trust, he's got to be able to play through some of those things. So it isn't a, a a criticism of him in that scenario, but yeah, that's just how with this team, things can kind of snowball a little bit where just don't have that guy right now who can really steady things and get you a basket when you need one to, to settle things down. And then Nebraska just kind of gradually work the lead up um, after that stretch. Bob, I, I I throw you know going back to the actual playroom, uh, Mbako got picked off. 
um, that's why you have help designs and you have, you know, you were doing a Tamago all half. When Lawrence goes three for three, you're coming pretty much out of a timeout. That's a quick instruction of, okay, we get out on their shooters. It should just be across the board. They know the scout. They know which guys they really want to kind of make sure that they're focused on. If your guys do on the screen, don't play off. Don't be a, don't, don't be in the way as a screen, you know, and helping the screener. Get out. Help on that a little bit because we can't – we're going to have a situation where, again, Mbako got picked off. Whether, you know, he didn't fight and, – and, again, part of it is sometimes after playing, you know, you, it just happens in the game. It's a mistake. And the high wire, exactly. You don't want to be down 20 because that one mistake shouldn't kill you. It happens to every team. But you adjust your help because, again, know your opponent, know your scout, get out on the guy. And know the situation in the game, which is there are sometimes you can't give up a three. If they no. had, if if we'd overplayed and they go inside and get a wide open two, fine. It, it doesn't yeah. feel as big of a deal. You know, they make that three and it really feels like, boom, you know, we're stopping this run right now. They were eight of 15 on layups. They were eight of 15 on layups. Let them go. You know, at that point, and and you know, again, you have you you have length, you have length that can disrupt it, and then you're putting them into scramble mode. Now you're disrupting what they want to do. That's where this where where this just isn't working. Where, well, I did my job. I stayed here on my screener, and nobody nobody got by me. Good, but Lawrence is there at 22 feet, letting her rip, and he did it all night. It doesn't matter, you know. And and, and even then, at that point, the adjustment on the scout is. Okay, the kid's hot tonight. You might want to, you may just want to get out on him. And even if he's not a shooter, you get out on him because it disrupts the offense. It disrupts their flow. It forces him to to take a dip, you know, round out the angle versus taking hard angles, those sorts of things. Um, I would actually say, you know, there was a meaningful moment that I saw early in, you know, earlier in the game. And it's kind of more of a negative than a positive, but it was meaningful moment from a standpoint that we came out of a timeout. The team comes out of a timeout. 333 in the first half. They set a double ball screen for Trey. Take and this is the exact same set they ran that Trey delivered the ball to CJ for the three that we just that we just referenced. But this time, Trey the idea was to try to get the ball into into uh, into renew. Oh yeah. There's four red jerseys over the we we call it the tape, the the nail. There's four red jerseys all there they've busted the play you don't throw into that coverage and even if renew gets it and which he did somehow there's nothing he's going to do he turns it over on a travel and you know there's a turnover and then he goes down the other end and then he commits a foul but you had mac wide open at the top of the key and even if he didn't he had a one i think a one more over to Khalil Ware who then would have been standing at 22 feet for a wide open three. And you're talking two guys, you know, two guys who are two of your better three point shooters. That changes the dynamic of the game because now Hoiberg knows, look, I can't put four guys in the box here on this. So that's, I think where, where a lot of this, again, it comes down to reading the situation, having players that go, okay, we saw it was on the white, on the whiteboard, but they blew up the whiteboard. I got to go to my check down and it's not like football where you have a, you know, it's a, it's a much faster process and guys shouldn't be at this point in the season being able to play in that flow. Yeah. I think to kind of piggyback on that, there was, I think it was a play late CJ ended up taking a 
you know, got the ball kicked out to him, probably could have taken the three shot faked and drove ends up taking a tougher, you know, two point jump shot. Kind of same deal though. Could I think Leo maybe was open at the top of the key. Somebody was open to kick the ball out to. And I think some of it is awareness of that and what this team is trying to do. And we talk about, you get what you emphasize. This team is not emphasizing three point shooting. Um, don't need to belabor that. But I think some of that leads to guys not moving off the ball in a way that can even get them open for threes. It was a, yeah. uh, it, it was the drive that Galloway had. I think it was in the second half. Could have been the first half. It, you know, he gets kind of in the air underneath the basket and he tries to throw it out to uh, Mbako on the wing. Gets deflected out of bounds. No harm, no foul in that scenario. If the Mbako's guy's not really looking at him, all he has to do is relocate to the corner and be able to clear that space, make an easier pass and do some of those things. And I like, and Nebraska did a really good job with that on multiple occasions. They would do that. A guy would kind of set a flare screen that they would get behind and be able to do it. Like the movement, even off the ball to get into those three pointers was really different. And I think that again, we could argue that that's a, a point that IU doesn't emphasize, whatever. I don't really know, but the, the movement to get easier shots in those kinds of kickout scenarios uh, really separated Nebraska in some ways and got them open shots that IU wasn't able to get. They didn't lose possession on the one that I talked about. They're able to re-inbound the ball, maybe even scored off of it. I don't, I don't remember specifically, but it was an opportunity to move and get a better shot and an easier pass. And everything is just so stationary that that gets hard. And again, that goes back to the, the you know night and day difference in, in movement that, that you saw from the two teams really throughout the game. Because you have a team that doesn't look to go to where the where where the little where the tape was at the beginning of the season. Okay, this is where you are on this set, and I'm not saying that that's what we're doing, but it definitely feels like that. Well, I'm supposed to be here because that's where it drew up, without accounting for the fact that the defense adjusts to it. So if you just take a couple steps or you relocate to a, you get yourself more open, subtly open. And even in this offense, I think you know even if they just readjusted positions, I mean you do the old Villanova swap. You know, that's a possibility or worse goes the worst, go through a pin screen, you know, something like that where you could call it or you just do it and see if it works. Because at this point, it's not working the way we're doing it. So you might as well try something. But it's that it's just that that lack of flexibility that I think we have There's a rigidity to this that just doesn't that that just shouldn't be here at this point in the season. No. All right, uh, next up, let's go Inside the Numbers, brought to you by Jackson Hewitt Tax Services. If you live in Bloomington or the surrounding areas and you want your taxes done right, contact our friend and Chat Mob Hall of Famer Megan Mahaffey and her team in Bloomington, Bedford, and Martinsville by calling 812-339-3334 or by visiting jacksonhewitt.com. And you probably want to do it soon because I know their calendar is filling up uh, with, uh, with tax day coming here uh, in a handful of weeks. But got, let's talk about numbers. And, you know, Andy, you mentioned the three-point shooting numbers. You know, obviously, I mean, that that's just a huge one. I mean, it's a math problem that's been an issue for Indiana all season long. You know, Indiana actually took 21 three-pointers tonight. You know, a lot of those, you know, ended up being late uh, in the game, you know, but only four for 21. This is not something that's going to get fixed in a game. <laughs> you know, this this has to be a program emphasis moving forward to get better at this. We've been talking about it over and over and over again. So, Hopefully it happens, but the number that I want to talk about is six, and that is the number of turnovers that Trey Galloway had tonight. And you know, Andy, it's really it's 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 a two pronged discussion for me. You know, I don't think you can completely absolve Trey of responsibility for his play. I mean, he's a senior and he's got to go out there and play the role that is asked of him. And we have certainly seen him produce more in 39 minutes. 
then eight points, three assists, and six turnovers. Um, you know, and yes, you know, he ended up guarding Tominaga a lot in the second half and all of those things. But as coach mentioned, you know, even early in the game, there were just some decisions that, you know, Trey's greatest strength is also his greatest weakness. He is aggressive. He, I mean, he will go, go, go and force the issue. And sometimes he jumps in the air and has no place to go with it. And other times he gets the ball and flips it over his head and makes a shot. Then other times he throws a perfect assist. And then another time he's throwing it into four guys, you know? And so, and that is why Trey has always been better as a secondary creator and attacker, as opposed to a primary one. And so this is the second part of this, which is some of this is unavoidable. Xavier Johnson is hurt and Gabe cups isn't ready. So Trey kind of has to have this role. And he's been, you know, doing a better job with it in, in some respects. But tonight felt like a little bit of a step back for him in terms of decision making. And so he needs to be better and smooth out some of those rougher edges, you know, especially when he's trying to create, you know, for other guys. Um, but at the same time, you know, it would be nice to be a little bit more creative, kind of help him out, understand his limitations that you can't just run stuff like you have a normal point guard back there. Um, and part of the reason why you don't, you know, why he's thrust into this is because, you know, X, the injuries to X obviously have hurt and there wasn't a backup plan behind him at that position. So, I mean, to me, wrapped up in that six turnover number is like layers and layers of layers of things to discuss that have impacted where we are right now as a team. Uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think, um, I think what's in, I thought Cups played really hard on Tominaga, but just you got hit some tough shots on him. And I think that was, um, you know, that was a struggle. But at least with Gabe out there, it gives you somebody else to be a ball handler. You're just asking a lot of Trey at that point to go chase this guy around for, you know, 20 seconds on one end of the floor, initiate the offense or running tons of that, you know, middle ball screen and really putting him in the position to do a lot of that. He had a lot of those baseline drives where he's trying to find somebody and kick it out. Um, he had a lot on his shoulders. And again, I, I don't think you can totally take that away and be like, this is hundred percent a coach's fault. He, you know, he's not the one making some of the passes at guys feet uh, or that were, or, or in traffic or all those things. Um, so I think there's, you, you, like you said, you can't absolve what he's doing. I think it's just a guy who is playing a ton of minutes, trying to do more than he's probably capable of and more than he needs to do. I mean, same thing. He's just got a lot on his plate right now and yeah i think probably passed up some shots and i think that's where you know i struggled there was a you know one of the timeouts you know woodson kind of was chewing into him i think it was after he had taken a three um you know came up short just like i said that was that stretch where they were taking more jumpers and the the lack of legs really showed and it's like i get it he's your captain you want to ride him hard you want to coach him hard you want to do that stuff okay. but like this guy's busting it out there it just it's a struggle to me like you're putting that much on him not giving him any rest i know they're college kids they should be able to play blah 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 blah. all the all those things that that's fine but i i i just think he's being asked to do so much like maybe that's i'm too empathetic in that scenario and and am not on him in a way that that some people might be but you know you can't turn the ball over that many times totally get that part of it but um just just think he needed some help at some point to try to figure out somebody else who could initiate the offense. They just don't have that person um, right now. And, you know, they let Leal bring it up a couple of times, but even so, like he's not putting the same pressure on them to do that. And, and the way Nebraska was guarding the lane is so clogged that one of the things that Galloway does well is get downhill, try to get to the basket. That really wasn't an option 
um, yeah. for him at that point, and and it just kind of snowballed from there. So I, I think certainly not one of his better games. I think he's a guy who really hustled, played hard, made some poor decisions in in spurts, and uh, that came back to bite him uh, for sure with the the six turnovers. Bob, any thoughts on Trey yeah. before we move on? I would say one of the things that on uh, Trey was um, when he got chewed, Tamanaga had just ran him like all around the court, came off of uh, a screen. There was no help. He got a step behind, recovered enough to challenge the shot, but Tamanaga was able to get by him and score a layup. And then things just came unglued. And you're watching the timeout going, my my thought, it's like it's what four minutes left to go, three minutes left to go in a double digit loss game. The kid just ran around for twenty two seconds, was tr- doing everything he could. And I think that's kind of what we're all saying here is that you can just tell that this kid that he's where he a lot of a lot's been put on him for a guy that we were talking about ten months ago would be a good six man as a three or as an off guard, and now he's got basically running the offense on him. I thought Fred Hoiberg did something really interesting. At times, He had Rink Mass bringing the ball up. You guys noticed that a few times? <laughs> and there's Rink Mass inbound him to get into their half-court offense. Yeah. Um, why not? You know, we, 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 you know, Malik and Kill have both have been kind of, you know, we, 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 t- we talked early in the season, having them push in transition situations why not do that to kind of take the pressure off and then put him into a position where he can get into a zoom action or a side ball, empty side ball screen, anything other than initiate it, make it, you know, and then try to just get downhill with it. We're going into the teeth of a defense. that's basically packed into the lane where you have basically one or two choices versus being able to hit the entire floor. We're not softening defenses up. I'll just put it that way. And you get, you know, your point guard's going to have six turnovers when you're going against a stationary defense and you're trying to just jam it into them. And yeah, I mean, the kid deserves some of that. I mean, it's like, okay, pass it off, try something else. But there comes a point where if you don't have a point guard and, you know, Mike, Mike, you know, Mike Weaver says this a lot. It's like, at this point, try something else. I mean, anything to try to just, you know, try, you know, just give this a shot because what you're doing is kind of, it's, it's, it's going to produce these results like this against, especially against a team that's very mobile and active like Northwestern is. Well, what other numbers stand out to you guys? Uh, I know one number that will stand out to the audience is Indiana has now dipped officially back below a hundred in Ken Palm at one Oh two. Uh, yeah. So that's fun. Um, um any two other quick ones? Two quick ones for me. Uh, at the under four Northwest, nor, I'm sorry, the the, 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 the the team that beat us, State yeah. Vu, 1.51 points per possession at the under four in the first half. <laughs> Seriously? 1.5. Yeah. I mean, we're talking oh that's God. basically, yeah, that's about as, and that's a, over a 16 minute period. It wasn't like there was a four minute period where they did that. No. Over 16 minutes, 1.51. Jeez. And. Uh, I mean, the other one was, um, I only put it in the post six times, you know, really only did post up six times today at one point per possession. Ball handler, including passes 21 times at 1.0 points per possession. Um, that's pick and roll, you mean? That's pick and roll, yeah. yeah. 
so the good news is early in the season, that was a lot more lopsided where the post was, was netting more. But that was actually pretty good pick-and-roll offense by Indiana tonight um, I, for what it's worth on a 15-point loss, <laughs> you know. But, you know, it's something. And it goes back to Andy's point about when we get outscored, was it 40, 40-something to 12 by, by threes? Yeah, 42 to 12. Thank you. Yeah, I scored 30 by the three-point line. You know, that that's you know that, that that tells some of your story on a 15 point loss but i just yeah you know, again thought those were two that just kind of kind of showed that you know there's there's some bad but there's a little bit there's always a, a silver lining on the touch of gray andy any numbers that you'd like to talk about um yeah i'll throw a couple out uh turnovers were we talked about galloway's turnovers you know the turnovers themselves were relatively even but northwestern outscored iu 15 to 6 on points off turnovers I will say rebounding wise, I felt like I saw a lot more legit box outs uh, than uh, than what you saw against Northwestern. Only give up two second chance points on seven yeah. uh, offensive rebounds. IU actually had 16 second chance points on 11 offensive rebounds. Ware had, I think, four of those yeah. um, as you go through that. So I think that was, uh, you know, a positive sign. Outscored on fast break points, though, it speaks to some of the pace. Um, and, and really even assists. IU just with five assists in the second half, even when things were going relatively well and renew, I believe had six assists at halftime, didn't have any in the second half as they, you know, kind of made things a little bit tougher on, uh, on him. He was perfect on two pointers. Only shot he missed was his, uh, you know, the lone three pointer that he took. Um, and, and certainly looking at the three point shooting, I used one of 11 in the first half, three of 10, uh, in the second while Nebraska was, First half, they were 11 of 16 on twos and nine of 19 on threes. I wrote down at halftime. I mean, just an absolute clinic um, uh, on that end of the floor for them. And so uh, I think that was, yeah, that was uh, what built the 20 point lead. And uh, IU was just fighting uphill uh, from there. The other thing I would say is seven, the number of players that IU played. It, it was yeah. uh, no Anthony Walker, no Peyton Sparks, which wasn't really a shock given how Nebraska plays. Uh, no Caleb Banks again, which I don't think can be a shock at this point uh, as you look through that. You know, I think I, I look at that in, you know, on the, on the one hand, it's the team was playing so bad in the first half. It seems like you would just throw anyone out there to try to to get a spark uh, at that point. And, you know, the the flip side is you basically played Ware, Mbako, and Galloway pretty much the whole game, save for maybe two minutes apiece. Uh, that they, you know, a minute or two that they sat out in the first half. I think it just gets, um, it, it's just difficult to to be able to do that when those guys, there's just no time off every possession. There's a lot on uh, on those guys. So it was interesting. We've seen him do that in second halves before where he really rides the, uh, the hot hand, but even in the first half didn't really sub uh, as much as what we've seen. And I was surprised in particular about Walker. Just felt like he was a decent potential matchup for, uh, a game like this, he did give CJ uh, some more extended run. He actually was uh, third on the team in shot attempts with ten. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you look at his numbers there, so he just a, kind of an oddity from too. a yeah from an oddity from a rotation standpoint. Just as you uh, you look down the way that that all played out today. Well, I mean, I thought the substitution patterns were the sign of a coach that was all in to win this game. Win it. You know, and but man. But see, but that's part of the disconnect is clearly with the way that he subbed in the first half, he was throwing everything into winning this game and the team played like that. 
listless, I mean, a complete capitulation to Nebraska on your home floor. So like that, when you see that kind of disconnect, it just, you know, and it's just been palpable all season long. I mean, it was flashing in bright lights as I sat behind the bench at the Penn State game, but we've all seen it. You know, people who have been there, even on TV, you can, you can see it. It's just a disconnected program. Um, in many, many ways. We can certainly see it on the court for the 40 minutes that we watch. Who knows how far those layers go you know, deep because we're not back there. We don't know. Um, but from what we see, it feels like the symptom of a larger problem, for sure. Um, and time will tell how that gets solved. Uh, Bob, did you want to chime in on that or are uh, you ready to move on? Yeah. I think... I, I, I... <laughs> that really sums up... Yeah. Where we are in the season right now. Yeah, I could say something, but you know. you know, at this point, I'm just you know, it's like I, I could, I could, I could honestly like get, get an avatar of me and about ten of these phrases. I feel like after a game like this one, where it's like, yeah, uh, it's but, completely ridiculous. <laughs> I, I would say Chris Tucker was an interesting touch tonight. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. If we're gonna throw out something something different, I mean, we got we we got the rush hour was it that he was in, and uh, Friday was yeah. one of my personal favorites of the banner kid. moment. A guy who was banner. relevant the last time we were hanging banners was here at Assembly Hall. <laughs> I mean, hey, I was. We'd watch it after we'd watch it after seeing Calvert on. You know, there there he was with Smokey and the rest of the gang, and you know Ice Cube and whoever else. But it was Ice T, one of the Ice. But I I mean it. I, I yeah I I it's it just felt like there was you know when you talk about the disconnect i mean you got it, it just wasn't there it just you could tell with the crowd energy and booming coming off the first half it's just you just know it's it bad, just man. doesn't feel right it just doesn't feel right it's bad i mean look i guess the statement that i'll make on this and maybe we should save this into the show but we're here now is you know i've long said both here on the show and our private discords everywhere I mean, it's very easy for to make the case for why Mike Woodson deserves a fourth year. You go to two NCAA tournaments, you break the streak against your rival, you do something good in a Big Ten tournament. Like there were a whole lot of boxes he checked the first two seasons. You know, help Trace become the you know the best player that he can be. You know, help Jalen become a first round draft pick. I mean, it's not just like making stuff up or oh, you know, you you know you, you're just you know in Woodson's pocket and, and you know you're making up reasons. No, like there's a compelling case to be made for why he deserves a fourth year. But man, with every loss like this, it gets harder and harder to have any confidence in that fourth year. And that is a real paradox or catch 22 or whatever it is, but that's a real pickle. It's a real tough position to be in because, you know, those feelings, those visceral feelings that we all have watching the team are real. And the, you know, what feels like kind of the lack of a a plan, you know, and looking at a roster that looks like it's going to need a lot of turnover with only one player signed, like there's just some bright flashing lights that would make anybody concerned. And so, you know, if this is how we're going to play it out for the last five games, I definitely reserve the right <laughs> to change my mind on the whole deserving a fourth year thing, because part of deserving a fourth year is at least carrying some momentum into the third season after your first two and having some sort of cultural foundation to build on. You know, outside of a really nice spurt to start the second half, what was there tonight that feels like something to build on? It felt more like rock bottom than something to build on. But And how many times have we had that 10-minute spurt to start a second half or that 10-minute spurt here or that 10-minute spurt there? I mean, you point to almost every game, and we see 10 minutes where this team looks like they could play against any team in the country. Yeah. And you know it's there. 
and it just isn't happening. And again, it's wait till the end of the season. Certainly, you know, you, you let, you, you let the resume build, you let, you let the case, you, know, you kind of just see where things are, you know, chip stacks can be one back, you know, you go on a massive run in the big 10 tournament. Some things could go a little differently, you know, you could feel differently by the end. Yeah. NIT birth, same thing. And yes, I, you should play in the NIT if they're offered. I'm just going to you know, topic but, for another day, but I fully agree. Another day, but yeah, let's just, let's get back on the NIT bubble first though, before we let's have get that back. Yeah, or, or the CIT bubble too. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I mean, that's, but I think at some point, you know, there is a question of in the era of NIL, in the era of the transfer portal, has the calculus changed? And you, at IE, which is when you talk about chip stacks, it's a high, you know, this is a high ante table. And the expectation is that you're at least going to compete and you're going to compete every single game, especially at Assembly Hall. And the question is, where is the stack right now? And I think. I think I think is an academic answer. Well, Andy, why don't you have the last word on this here before we break for game balls? <laughs> Let's just move on to game balls. I mean, there's nothing. We've been talking a long time about this game. This game may have gotten already more discussion on here than than it deserves. So let's just That's keep true. going. Okay, fine. <laughs> fine. All right, coming up here on the assembly call, we will hand out our game balls and who's your hustle award, which just give us a chance to dive into a few more individual performances, discuss a lingering question or two, and look ahead to what's next for Indiana coming up this weekend. That's next on the assembly call. Stick with us. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Thomas Bryant. What's the only thing better than being Kentucky in the NCAA tournament? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, the coach Bob Motes. We are breaking down Indiana's 15-point loss, home loss to Nebraska. Time now for our game balls presented by our friends Allie and James at Bloom Environmental, and they want to make sure everyone knows about Radon. A colorless, odorless radioactive gas that is the leading cause of lung cancer in non-smokers. According to the EPA, Monroe County and other surrounding counties throughout Indiana are expected to have elevated levels of radon above the action level recommended for mitigation. Contact Bloom Environmental today and mention Assembly Call for a free radon test kit and mitigation estimate. You can learn more at bloomenviro.com. That's bloomenviro.com. 
Andy, again, I apologize. I know I said we weren't going to talk the macro stuff, but you know, but I feel like a fool, honestly, because when I sent that, I was like, you know what? I feel like they're going to play well tonight. We're at home. At worst, this is probably a close game. And then we're down by 20 at halftime. And it just just kind of short circuits you, you know? And it's like, well, you know, this is there's something deeper going on here. So anyway, but, you know, I don't know. Um, let's talk game I understand. Balls. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> why, why don't you go first with your game ball? Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Mbako, uh, led the team in scoring, had seven rebounds, which was, um, second on the team behind, uh, Khalil and just really thought he competed. I know you talked about the you know three pointer he gave up on the one. I, I just thought he, he competed well, took for the most part, good shots was three point shot. Wasn't really falling was just two of eight from there. Uh, and took at least one, maybe two longer twos, but otherwise really, I thought focused on driving the basket, try to get himself going, got to the free throw line was active on the glass, uh, just thought it was another good performance as he continues to uh, to build and has been a bright spot of the season uh, that has not had a ton of them. So uh, I'll go with him. Coach, game ball. I, same, yeah, same thing. And actually, uh, Andy pretty much hit the stat line that I was going to hit as well. Um, I'm just it, – it's good to see considering where he started where, when, when the season started where he was and where he is now with what he's able to do both offensively and even, even defensively. Um, he's really grown as a player and um, just led, you know, leading the team in scoring on a night like tonight, you know, it, it's, that's, it's still something. And um, it's just one of those, when, when it, I, I really think that uh, he's a, he's a player that, if he doesn't go to the NBA, I'd love to see him back in a Hoosier uniform next year just to see what he could become. I really think he's he's he can make that next year jump um, into that sort of and, and be a be a guy that if he doesn't go until his sophomore or junior year, can definitely be a player that could be a, a big contributor for a team that will be looking to go on the upswing. Especially if he's going to get in there and compete like he did tonight. Mm-hmm. Again, I thought he was one of the guys that really competed. I mean, you contrast that with how disengaged, and maybe disengaged is the wrong word, but it just felt like he was kind of floating in and out of games and maybe at times didn't even know how to get himself into the game at the beginning early in the season. Not uncommon for a freshman, but now you see him and that mentality is different and, and you've really seen growth there from him. Um, so I agree with you, Bob. He's really he's shown something. I mean, that that is a guy that you can you can work with and that you can build forward with, even with some of the flaws that we've seen, because you would hope that some of those get smoothed out. So Mbako gets the game ball. I am going to toss in a quick vote for Khalil Ware, um, who, you know, again, you know, the, the box score numbers are just kind of wild. I mean, 17 points, 12 boards, had four offensive rebounds. Andy, as you said, some of those second chance points, also three blocks. And I thought a lot of, you know, good runs for Indiana um, included Khalil getting a block. I mean, this isn't a team that gets a whole lot of three-pointers to to create momentum, but they do get blocks from Khalil. And sometimes the team needs the momentum um, that those blocks bring. But man, my heart just hurt for him watching him shoot those free throws and just struggling. And you could see on his face and in his body language, how much he just, he's like, he wanted to say to me, I want to make you happy. I want to make these free throws. I'm trying. And, you know, and this is where to me, like earlier this week, I mean, I, you know, I posted a tweet with all the guys, free throw percentages and how every single player on the roster, except for Anthony Walker is shooting worse from the free throw line this year than they were last year. And most guys are at their career worse. Khalil included who has improved everywhere since moving from Oregon except at the free throw line where he was 71% last year. He's 64% this year. 
I did not do that to call out the players. I did it as a counter to Mike Woodson's comment that it's just their mindset. No, if everybody's struggling, it's some kind of collective mindset or something systemic in the program that is helping to cause this. And if you want to say fans booing is part of it, maybe it is. I mean, it's whatever the stew is, there's something happening there. It's not just these guys don't care and don't want to make free throws. Um, and I just thought seeing it on his face really laid that bare um, on the court tonight. And if he makes his normal you know, percentage – I mean, if he hits, you know, a few more of those, that's a 20.12 rebound game for Khalil. Um, I just thought he was, you know, engaged. Um, I would give it to Mbako, like you guys said, but I thought Khalil was at least a worthy uh, counter vote. Yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, it was gut-wrenching watching him. I, again, for all the knocks on him coming in about, you know, you know his, his motor and all that, like he – it was obvious that he cared and was – just the anguish of not being able to make him. And I think they said Galloway was one who came up to him and, you know, tried to, you know, kind of prop him back up a little bit. And he just was like, he, he, whatever uh, cliche you want to use about a guy missing shots. I mean, they were all there. Didn't get a lot of arc on it. Sometimes didn't bend his knees a lot of other times. Uh, you know, the ball, um, you know, just kind of aiming it, trying to get it in. He had so many that just rolled around the rim and hit the rim four times and then fell off. He had a lot of shots like that. Um, yep, he did tonight. And, you know, a couple of those go in, maybe he's there. And then, but he stepped up in the one where he got the and one late and it was, you know, perfect. But um, he's one really gets the ball back on his palm when he, when he shoots. I think that contributes to a little bit of it. But um, yeah, certainly uncharacteristic of, of him and he was really playing this you know playing his butt off trying had a really good one of the blocks was on a play he kind of came from the weak side where everybody's scrambling and in rotation and was able to get down and uh and block a shot of somebody going to the basket and even had another really good one that actually stayed in bounds instead of swatted into the 11th row and uh you know i was able to get the ball going back the other way a little bit so yeah a lot of positive things from him he's been uh another bright spot and i think that's what you know it's not stupid to sit down here and say oh there's things to be optimistic about it whatever like i think individual players like you can find bright spots collectively no but he has definitely been one who has continued to to really compete got asked to play heavy minutes tonight had to move out on the floor a lot based on how nebraska plays uh and, and i thought you saw some uh additional effort from him for a rebounding perspective saw him block out a little bit more than uh as opposed to just going to get the ball like he had so uh certainly a positive performance from him uh, I. Jared, you're going to coach your kids soon. Andy, I know you've coached yours. Um, I yelled at the TV, wipe the sweat off your head. So when a kid misses a free throw sometimes, oftentimes, wipe the sweat off your head. Sweat impacts your equilibrium and your sense of balance. And oftentimes, if you don't wipe the sweat off your head, it can cause you to push a shot one direction or the other, end up a little short. Hmm. We find it has about an 80% success rate. Really? Because sometimes you just think too much as a shooter or when you're putting or you're trying to hit a baseball or a racquetball or you're just trying to drive a nail in the, in the deck, whatever you're doing, you overthink it. Yeah. And when you wipe the sweat off your head, it kind of puts you in a position where you now, now, now you're rebalancing yourself. So tell the kid, wipe the sweat off the head. Because so much of this is, it is a mind thing. It is a mindset thing. And, you know... I have kids I watched them play in high school. They miss one, wipe the sweat off their head. Hits the next one. 
I mean, whatever we're doing isn't working, so I'm so I'm ready try for it. anything for IU. Give it a shot, but you I, know, give yeah. yeah, just just wipe it off. But you take it, you just it's a mindset. Yeah. That is McKenzie Mbako's fourth game ball. Kalowere leads with nine. Malik Renew has seven. Trey Galloway has three. Uh, and no one cares because Indiana is currently slated to play on Wednesday at the Big Ten tournament. Um, but that is where we're at. And now it's time for the Hoosier Hustle Award. The Hoosier Real Hustle Award. Hi, this is Anthony Leal, and it's time for the Hoosier Hustle Award. But first, let's talk about my friends at Security Pro 24 7 who provide trusted and reliable security for your event or business. From Bloomington, my hometown, to Evansville, where Coach Calvert Chaney grew up, and everything in between. Just like hustle can't be measured by stats, prevention can't be measured either, but it has a huge impact on your bottom line and peace of mind. So let the security pros at Security Pro 24-7 help you prevent a bad outcome today. Visit securitypro247.com to learn more. That's securitypro247.com. And tell them Anthony Leo sent you. All right. Thank you, Anthony. All right. Uh, who's your hustle award? Uh, I guess I'll make mine easy. I'm, I'm giving mine to Kalel for all the reasons that we said. I can do it again since he didn't win uh, the uh, the game ball. Um, but I'll give mine to Khalil. Coach Motes, who gets your hustle award? I'm giving it to Trey because I saw that mm. kid, you know, again, all night, um, you know, defensively, just tough assignment. I don't think, I mean, Tamaga didn't beat them as badly in the second half as he did in the first half. But, you know, just anytime you have a kid plays 39 minutes and he comes off the floor, basically, you know, holding his ankles. Uh, where's a good one, too? Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, just really loved love the effort that Trey put into this game. And I don't think anybody could light him up for any good reason at this point for what happened. No. You can question anybody. a few decisions he made, but not the effort that he Yeah, I mean and, and again, players are gonna screw up, you know, it's just part of the part of the deal, but you know, you played through it. Yep. Andy, who gets your hustle award? Well, that's unfortunate because those were the two that I was thinking of, so that doesn't really uh guess didn't, <laughs> didn't help me out at all. It's really really unfortunate. Uh I, my first inclination was to go with Trey, so that's that's what I, who okay. I'm gonna go with. I, I think uh, the, the, as hard as he played defensively, uh, I, I just, I, I'll give it to him. I mean, tell I had two points in the second half, uh, after 18 in the first half. And I think he gets, uh, should get a lot of credit for that. The way he chased him around, I think just absolutely wore himself out. I mean, even when Woodson is chewing him in the huddle, like, I don't even think he'd keep his head up. I don't think he was trying, maybe he was trying not to look at Woodson. I don't really know, uh, as it was happening, but he was just like, I, even my wife was sitting there she's like, just look at him like he could hardly even stand up. And then he walks out of the huddle and just like, just kind of dragging himself back down the court. And uh, so I, I, I'll go with him. I think either one would be a, a worthy choice. Uh, it, it wasn't necessarily a game without, uh, you know, without guys hustling. So I'll. Uh, I'll yeah. I mean, him. it had to be, you know, either where Mbako or Galloway, the guys who played mm. at least 38 minutes each, it was certainly going to be mm. one of those guys. Um, and, th- you know, and again, like that's, that's the hard thing. I mean, in part of it is just the recency bias of the second half was better than the first half, you know, so you watch the second half, you watch him fight, you watch him get exhausted. It's like, wow, those guys did play hard. And then you think back to the first half, it's like, man, where was some of that in the first half? And, and again, it, it's this, it's the subtle distinction and, and I don't know, I mean, Coach Motes, actually, I don't know if we ever talked about this with you on the show, so maybe whether you disagree with this or not, you know, the subtle distinction between, you know, playing with effort and playing with conviction. 
Like, mm-hmm. I think this team has played with effort. Like, I don't see a lot of loafing. But you do see stuff that's maybe a quarter step slow because there's too much thinking or there's just that extra gear you don't have when you're not fully bought into and engaged in what you're doing. And that's, you know, that's why, for me, I've been so much more frustrated with the coaching than the players all season long because I do think there's effort. There's just not always the conviction in the fight. Um, but those, you know, those are two sep- very separate things to me. I, I would agree with that. It, and uh, effort versus conviction, um, you know, it's w- w- fake. I mean, Coach Tonsoni, I love his term fake hustle. Um, I use it myself <laughs> with, with, with kids where, oh, that's nice. Okay, yeah, you just ran yourself into the bleacher after, you, you know, but you were so far out of position to begin with. You're now trying to show, and I, I'm guilty as charged when I was a 10-year-old, 11, 12, 14, 15, 17, 37 year old still doing the same things to kind of, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm trying my hardest, but it's, it's just that not doing a great job of understanding and connecting to each other. It's too many times have we run ourselves into a position where it's like, they don't, it's almost like they're hung out on a, they're hung out on an Island. You have five guys out on an Island and if they screw up, they're on, you know, they're 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 the ones holding the bag. Um, I don't really see. It's one thing to lift your teammate up when you fall down. It's another thing to come off and help and then recover, and then have the other guy behind. It's it's a rotating it's a rotating thing. It's supposed to work that way, and it's just I'm just not seeing it. Yeah. Well, this is normally where we talk lingering questions, but I feel like, I mean, the the main lingering question, you know, about Coach Woodson and the future of this program, there'll be plenty of time to talk about that in the future. We already kind of discussed it more than we thought we were going to, uh, but it is late, so let's move on. Plenty more of that talk to come, trust me, um, just not tonight. Uh, coming up, tomorrow night is normally Assembly Call Radio. We are not going to do Assembly Call Radio because tomorrow night is about the women uh, Indiana hosting Iowa, plus the game tips at 7 Central, which will you know go till 9, 9.30, so we wouldn't be able to start the show until late, even if we did it. Uh, and I think after tonight, <laughs> I'll probably want to get away from men's basketball for a few days until we reconvene here on Saturday for the IU-Penn State postgame show. And Penn State, in case you missed it, not only did they drub Indiana in Bloomington, but they just came back and beat Illinois at home. Uh, was like like a fi- they came back from a 15 16 point mm-hmm. deficit to win. Uh, what a win by yeah, they were down guys. seven with 40 seconds yeah, left. Jeez, unbelievable! But man, I mean, Mike Rhodes, he's got those guys playing hard even without their leading scorer. Mm-hmm. Oh, so things can go on after a guy gets injured, and it doesn't need to just be an excuse fest. Well, he got, you can acknowledge that that player isn't there, but still win basketball games and play good basketball. Interesting. Yeah, they okay. even kicked. Uh, he kicked Clary yeah. off the team uh, as yeah. of this week. So I, I, who knows? Well, the injury was just a cover for something else. But yeah, he's uh, he's gone. So okay. So Indiana plays Penn State, looking to avenge uh, that earlier loss this season. That is Saturday. Coach is hosting. I think Coach Marlow will be with him. I will be at my son's birthday party, so I will not be uh, here for that game. Uh, but we'll have post game shows for all the games down the stretch this season. Uh, and then plenty of time in the off season to talk about whatever happens during those games. All right. Remember to check out our friends at home field apparel, use the promo code home two, three at checkout to get 15% off your first order. Gentlemen time for last call. Andy, you lead us off. Uh, you know, running out of stuff to say, uh, at a certain point with, uh, the way things have gone, this just followed such a similar formula as other games, as the season, as, 
uh, you know, anything else were just spurts of, of solid play, but, you know, overall just trying to dig themselves out of uh, a hole that they created by playing really poorly. And uh, that's just a tough way to, to make a living when the, the math isn't on your side based on the you know shot diet that you choose to to have and all of those things and it's just uh, you know so many of the same things that we said before and and you just want to try to look and find some bright spots down the stretch of the season uh, in a league that's pretty unforgiving is you know Penn State pr- you know proved tonight there aren't a lot of games where somebody can just go uh, waltz in and and win games and especially so, in their old gym. Yeah, which yeah. old IU fans will have <laughs> some that. some very yeah. treacherous memories of that place. Yeah, they may never play anywhere else after uh, after <laughs> really. Tonight, but, uh, so anyway, so it's a uh, it, you know it it's going to be tough. I think that the the team has shown the ability to play well enough in spurts that they shouldn't go winless during these last five games. But I don't think based on what we've seen, you can uh, rule that out by any stretch of the imagination. So just as a matter of how they continue to respond, what changes we see the rotation saw some differences in that regard tonight as we talked about uh and and how they can uh, try to get things turned around and figured out from a mentality standpoint and quite honestly with some of the you know current fan sentiment and booing might not be the worst thing to not be at home uh quite honestly uh for you know the uh the ryan special the noon tip eastern so everybody can get excited about that oh boy and uh <laughs> I mean, what, how does it get any better? So, uh, no, I'll be interested to, to see how they, uh, how they respond to really, uh, really rough couple home games after, uh, eight days off to, to be able to come back and, and play the way they did in the first halves of both of these games is, uh, is disappointing. There's no other way to, no other way to slice it. So, uh, it's up to the, the staff and the players to try to figure out a way to salvage something and build some momentum toward the end of the season. And, you know, the only bright side for Andy about not having Indiana anywhere close to the bubble is at least you don't have to deal with the ridiculous people who think you show favoritism to IU and your bracketology. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a very small thing, but at least you don't have to deal with those morons this this year, which, you know. Take take what I can to, get. Yeah, has to at least give you, you know, a little a little peace of mind. But watch, uh, check for Andy's bracketology just, stuff at Inside the Hall. Uh, and then you're also making regular appearances on uh, Fielding the 68 as well. That yeah, was part of the field of sixty-eight network. Yeah, I did have someone the other day though, because I made a comment if the six Mountain West teams get in, that one of them will be in Dayton. Somebody replied to something saying that uh, I apparently thought Dayton was in the Mountain West. I'm like, no, I will get plenty of stuff wrong. I do know what conferences the teams are. So, <laughs> thanks though. All right, uh, and Coach Moats, you know, I was plugging what's coming up. But you guys have a special episode coming up. So far through the episodes of X's and Joe's, it's just been you and Mike. But you guys are getting ready to welcome your first guest. So yeah, we're gonna we're we're we're, we're gonna be cutting this thing uh, a week from tonight. Uh, we're gonna try and do it live for the Substack community. So you know we we've got the crayons out ready to go we'll grow on that one. But we're gonna be talking about not you know kind of player evaluation and different ways of kind of rank looking at a, a, how how we look at players look at coaches how we kind of look at things a little differently versus just kind of that the the the, the one ranking area we're going to have a special guest our good friend Sam Story will be making an appearance on a on a on a, on a podcast we're, we're, the and and we 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 cannot wait to have Sam, Mike, and me to just kind of go back and forth through 
through an extended conversation that will not be through text messaging or any other in or just or or, or on a on a Zoom watching a basketball game, which we've done we did a, did that a couple of years ago. So we're looking forward to, to to getting that one. And again, we'll we're going to try. We'll have more information on the Substack portion of it for the Substack community to kind of tune in live for it with potentially some audience participation. We're still trying to work that part out. Someone's got to be able to read and talk at the same time. And I'm, I don't know if I'm really going to be all that good at that. So yeah. So the live part will be for community members, but then it'll be on the public podcast feed. The audio replay will be. The audio replay will be on the, on the, yeah, we'll be, we'll be available to, to all of our subscribers and to the, to the general public. So looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. It will be. Any final thoughts on what you saw tonight? Um, Penn State, I, I kind of hope they use the smaller gym. They at least get more, you know, they at least look like they fill the place. Um, that's that's about all I've got about tonight, you know, at this point. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, Andy said it all. You've said it all. Um, and, you know, again, you, you kind of take it one game at a time at this point. You do any in any season. But, I, you know, if, if you're still listening at this point, God bless you. Thank you. Um, uh, you know, and, and I think this, this institution go to bed <laughs> and even on the West coast, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, it, 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 this is a program that is incredibly special. And I think if you've, if you, if you've ever jumped into anything with Trilly Donovan's doing right now and watching, you know, just how enthusiastic IU fans are about this program, um, it's amazing. And, you know, we'll get through it. We always do. We'll find a way out. We will be back. And whether, you know, whether it's next year or somewhere soon down the road, it'll, it'll happen. For my final thought, just think back to how we felt on January 12th when Indiana beat Minnesota at home, win by 12, four and two in in conference play. You know, at that point in time, there had been a lot of ups and downs. There were a lot of reasons to be dissatisfied with what was happening this season. But I mean, Mike Woodson coming back for a fourth season didn't even seem like a question. I mean, you know, of course. The next game, Indiana got blitzed by Purdue, and that was the first home loss of what is now four out of five home losses. Uh, And Indiana, of course, has continued losing on the road to Wisconsin, to Illinois, to Purdue. Uh, Two of those games, totally non-competitive. And so, you know, how much can change in five weeks? Well, I think a lot can change in five weeks. And I think when you're that non-competitive overall, and especially that non-competitive at home, just because everybody felt good about, hey, of course there's going to be a fourth season on January 12th, doesn't mean that has to still be the case now on February 21st. And if you can't do anything better over the next five games, I don't even know how you're going to be able to justify that being the case at that point. So there's a lot to play for over these next five games for Indiana, uh, for its coach, I think especially, to show that there's something worth salvaging here. Because to me... 10 minutes of competitive basketball against Nebraska at home when you really need something good to happen, that's not worth salvaging. <laughs> I mean, that's not even to what you said, Bob, earlier. This is high stakes poker for the chip stacks. And that's not even anywhere close to it. And so there were some bright spots overall from, from some individual performances, but the overall 40 minutes that we saw is completely unacceptable. And we've tried to kind of highlight some of the reasons and, and pick that stuff apart, and we'll spend a lot more time doing it but we've got to see something better over these last five games and what we've seen over the previous five uh, and, and even over the, the previous 10 going back to that because this is not Indiana basketball. And right now, it's not feeling in the moment like it's much worth saving moving forward, which is a wild thing to be thinking about and saying about a coach who just went to two straight NCAA tournaments after a six-year drought. 
but I mean, at the end of the day, we can't just reward and, and, and make decisions based on what's happened. We have to look forward and protect the future of the program as well. And that to me is why there's so much riding on these next five games. Let's see if there's something to protect. Let's see if there's something to move forward with. I don't know exactly what it would look like to make us convinced of that, but I think we need to see something that at least gets us approaching that because otherwise this is going in a direction that no one saw happening, uh, but that is starting to feel somewhat unavoidable. So anyway, that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. Don't forget to go to assemblycall.com. That's where you can join our Substack. We do have a free a newsletter that you can sign there as well as the paid subscription. Special thank you to Bob Thompson for the music you hear on the show. Special thank you to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logo. And thank you for listening. We'll be back on Saturday after IU Penn State. Until then. Take it from me, Anthony Leo. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. San Diego chicken. Thought we'd bring back that oldie. That's a good one. But goody. All right, guys. That was 90 minutes. Yeah, I tried. But my why? But I why? Really don't know. Why not? I don't know, man. Because <laughs> I don't know. You have good intentions the morning of game day, and then the game happens. And I don't know, man. I, hey, Andy, when's opening day? We got what? Uh, five weeks, <laughs> and we're gonna be we're gonna be better than decent. So you know, yeah. you know that, you're not yeah, asking yeah. when opening day is. White Sox. Uh, you, you. I know. <laughs> We rarely do, but you know, yeah. you know we're, and 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 you get things welcome. to be excited about. So, and you're we'll, still we'll welcome for Adam Dunn. We're, we were glad to send him your way. Ah, you know, I'm yes, going to say that you, you know every was, time you bring that up. So, that's you know. great. That's great. Yeah, uh, you know, Bob, that's a perfect way to end tonight. That's really thinking about I, Adam Dunn. That's what I. I just, if, hey, Rick and Alex, if you're still listening, yeah, and Josh, blame Bob. <laughs> <Make it just. laughs> uh, gladly. There's, there's, I, I, there's I, no way Rick's still listening. No, no, anybody. I, uh, well, all right. Um, yeah, yeah. See Let's go to bed. Out. Let's go to bed. Good idea. All right, everybody. Uh, by the way, tomorrow night, um, you know, we'll be in the chat, uh, in the Discord chat, talking about the game, the women's game. So if you want to get in there and uh, chat with us, we'd love to have you in there. Uh, yeah, we'll talk to you all for sure on Saturday. Bye, everybody. See you, Andy. See you, Coach. Good night. Peace. See you guys. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois.